You say, Aren't you ever glad or sad? Do you know joy and sorrow? Life answers, Call them as you please. To me, they are states of the mind only, and I am not the mind. You say, Is love a state of mind? Life answers, Again, it depends what you mean by love. Desire is, of course, a state of mind, but the realization of unity is beyond mind. To me, nothing exists by itself. All is the self. All is myself. To see myself in everybody and everybody in myself, most certainly, is love. You say, when I see something pleasant, I want it. Who exactly wants it, the self or the mind? Life answers, I'm not sure about this question. Um, I'm not sure how the way it's put, right? Because there is no who. There is desire, there is fear, there is anger, and the mind says, this is me, this is mine, this is my deal. There is no thing, you might say, which could be called me or mine. Desire is a state of the mind, perceived and named by the mind, and without the mind perceiving and naming, where is this desire? You say, but is there no such thing as perceiving? You say, but is there such a thing as perceiving without naming? Life answers, of course. Naming cannot go beyond the mind, while perceiving is consciousness itself. You say, when somebody dies, what exactly happens? Life answers, nothing happens. Something becomes nothing. Nothing was, nothing remains. You say, but surely there's a difference between the living and the dead. You speak of the living as dead, and of the dead as living. Life answers, why do you fret at one human animal dying, and care little for the millions dying every day in slaughterhouses to feed you, and the billions of life forms expiring at every moment? Entire universes are imploding and exploding even as we speak. Are we crying over them? I don't see you crying. One thing is quite clear to me. All that is lives and moves and has its being in consciousness. And I am in and beyond that consciousness. I am in it as the witness. Uh, so are you. Uh, we are, but we are sort of also beyond it, if you like, as being. You say, but surely you care when your child is ill, don't you? Life answers, yes, but I, I try not to get flustered. I just do the thing that needs to be done. I aim not to worry, if I can, about the future. A right response to every situation is in our nature, although we often ignore it. I do not stop to think what to do. I act and move on what is necessary. Results do not affect me. I try not to care whether they are good or bad, whether they are, whatever they are, they are. If they come back to me, I deal with them afresh. Or rather, I happen to deal with them afresh. Maybe that's a good way of putting it. Uh, I happen to do this. I happen to do that. Oh, look, I'm doing this. Ah, there is no sense of purpose in my doing anything. Things happen as they happen. Not because I make them happen, although it might seem that way, but it is because 
I am, because I am that they are happening. In reality, nothing ever happens. When the mind is restless, it makes our inner gods dance. Like the restless waters of the lake make the moon dance. It is all appearance due to misguided notions. You say, But surely you are aware of many things and, and behave according to their nature. You treat a child as a child and you treat an adult as an adult. Life answers, just as the taste of salt pervades the great ocean and every single drop of seawater carries the same flavor, so every experience gives me the touch of reality, the ever-fresh realization of my own being. You ask, so do I exist in your world as you clearly exist in mine? Life answers, of course, you are and I am, <laughs> but only as points in consciousness. We are nothing really apart from consciousness. This must be well grasped. The world hangs on the thread of consciousness. No consciousness, no world. You ask, okay, so if there are many points in consciousness, are there as many worlds? Life answers, hmm, take dream for example. In a hospital, where there may be many patients, all sleeping, all dreaming, each dreaming their own private, personal dreams, unrelated, unaffected. But they all have one single factor in common, illness. Similarly, we have divorced ourselves in our imagination from the real world of common experience and enclosed ourselves in a cloud of personal desires and fears, images and thoughts, ideas and concepts. For a lot of people, this is happening on a screen. We call it social media. You say, this I can understand, but what could be the cause of the tremendous variety of personal worlds, of those, the variety of those worlds I do see on the screen? Life answers, eh, the variety is not so great. All our dreams are superimposed over a common world. To some extent, they shape and influence each other. The basic unity operates in spite of all. At the root of it all, lies self-forgetfulness, not knowing who I am, not knowing who you are. You say, but to forget one must know. Did I know who I am before I forgot it? Life answers, of course. Self-forgetting is inherent in self-knowing. The two are one. Consciousness and unconsciousness are two aspects of one life. They coexist. To know the world, we forget the self. To know the self, we forget the world. What is world after all? A collection of memories. Cling to one thing, that matters. Hold on to I am and let go all else. This is the ultimate insight. In realization, there is nothing to hold on to and nothing to forget. Everything is known, nothing is remembered. You say, what is the cause? What, what causes this self-forgetting? Life answers, there is no cause, because there is no forgetting per se. This is just language. Mental states succeed one another, and each obliterates the previous one. They are, that self-forgetting is sort of built into the whole shebang. Self-remembering is also a mental state, and self-forgetting is another. They alternate like day and night. But reality, if you like, is beyond both. You say... Surely there must be a difference between forgetting and not knowing. Not knowing needs no cause. Forgetting 
presupposes previous knowledge and also the tendency or ability to forget. I mean, I admit, I, I cannot inquire into the reason for not knowing, but forgetting must have some ground to it, some something. Life answers, there is no such thing as not knowing. There is only forgetting. What is wrong with forgetting? It is as simple to forget as to remember. You ask, but is it not a sort of calamity to forget oneself? You know, everyone's talking about mindfulness, that's not about forgetting. Life answers, as bad as to remember oneself continuously, I guess, is, you know, if you think of that sort of calamity. Um, what am I doing? What am I thinking? What am I experiencing? Um, what's going on for me? <laughs> <laughs> there is a state beyond forgetting and not forgetting, and let's call this the natural state. To remember, to forget, uh, these are all states of mind, thought-bound, word-bound. Take, for example, the idea of being born. I am told that I was born. I do not remember this. I am told I shall die. I do not expect it. I don't think I'm going to die. You tell me I have forgotten or I lack imagination. But I just cannot remember what never happened, nor expect the patently impossible. Bodies are born, and bodies die. But what is it to me? Bodies come and go in consciousness, and consciousness itself has its roots in me. I am life, and mine... Uh, I am life, and mind... I don't understand the sentence. I am life, and mine are mind... I am life, and my life is mind and body. Maybe there's a typo there. You say, okay, so life, which is, you know, at the root of the world, is self-forgetfulness. Okay, so to forget, I must remember. What did I forget to remember? I have not forgotten that I am. Life answers, this I am, right, which we're talking about, I am consciousness, may too be part of the illusion. You say, how can it be? You cannot prove to me that I am not. Even when, when I'm convinced that I am not, right? I am. Life answers, well, true. Reality can neither be proved nor disproved. Within the mind, you cannot go. Uh, within the mind, you cannot do this. Beyond the mind, you need not do this. In the real, the question, what is real, does not arise. Because it's real. The manifested, for example, seeing someone as your enemy, and the unmanifested, thinking someone is your enemy, are not different. You say, in that case, all is real? Life answers, I am all, you are all. As myself, all is real. Apart from me, nothing is real. You say, I do not feel that the world is the result of a, let's call it a mistake, that it just is. Life answers, you may say so only after a full investigation, not before. Of course, when you discern and let go all that is unreal, what remains is real. You say, does anything remain? Life answers, the real remains. But don't be misled by my words. You say, since immemorial time, during innumerable innum, innumerable even births i build and improve and beautify my world it is neither perfect nor unreal it is 
as I see it, a process? Life answers, maybe, maybe not. The world is no existence apart from you. At every moment it is but a reflection of yourself. You create it, you destroy it. Just, just watch that happening as you're walking around. You create the world, you destroy the world. You allow it, you deny it. You say, and, and, I, and, and if it's destroyed by me, I, I, I build it again, improved. Life answers, well, to improve it, you must disprove it. One must die to live. There is no rebirth except through death. You say, well, okay, your universe may be perfect, but my personal universe, I feel, is improving. Life answers, your personal universe does not exist by itself. It is merely a limited and distorted view of the real. It is not the universe that needs improving, but our ways of looking at it. You ask, well, how do you view it? Life answers, uh, I view it as a stage on which a world drama is being played. The quality of the performance is all that matters, not what the actors say and do, but how they say and do it. You say, I do not like this all the world's a stage idea. I would rather compare the world to a workyard in which we are the builders, building things, improving them, making them better. Life answers, hmm, you might be taking things a little bit too seriously here. What is wrong with play? You have a purpose only as long as you are not complete sorted as your mind would have you be. Till then, completeness, perfection, is the purpose. But when you are complete in yourself, fully integrated within and without, then you enjoy the universe. You do not labor at it. To the disintegrated, you may seem to be working really hard, but that is their illusion. Sports people, uh, you know, seem to be making this tremendous effort. Yet their sole motive is ultimately to play and display. You say, so what you're saying is that life is just having fun, that's, that it is engaged in this kind of purple, purposeless action? Life answers, well, life is not only true and good, it is also beautiful. Life creates beauty for the joy of it. You say, so beauty is life's purpose. Life says, well, why do you introduce a purpose? Purpose implies movement, change, a sense of imperfection. Life does not aim at beauty. Whatever life does is beautiful. Would you say that a flower is trying to be beautiful? No, it, it is beautiful by its very nature. Similarly, life is perfection itself, not an effort at perfection. You say, well, okay, so the purpose fulfills itself in beauty. Life says, what is beautiful? Whatever is perceived blissfully is beautiful. Bliss, bliss is the essence of beauty. Bliss is the essence of beauty. You say, okay, I get this idea of the subjective experience of the ultimate unchanging reality. That I am, I am that I am, right, that we're talking about here, is clear to me now. I get that. Uh, and and that sort of knowing, I guess, is starting to feel almost obvious to me. But that I am happy, uh, shall we say, is not at all obvious. Where is my happiness gone? Life answers. Be fully aware of your own being and you will be in bliss consciously. 
Because you take your mind off yourself and make it dwell on what you are not, you lose your sense of well-being, of being well. You say, okay, so there are two paths before us, the path of effort, and the path of work, shall we say, and the path of ease. Both lead to the same goal in this in this setup, right? Kind of kind of liberation. Life asks, why do you call ease a path? How can ease bring you to an awakening? You say, well, <laughs> that's what you said, right? The perfect renouncer, the sort of spiritual yogi, will find reality. The perfect lover of life will also come to it. Life answers, how can this be? Aren't they contradictory? You say, but this is what you're saying, right? The extremes meet. To be a perfect lover of life is more difficult than to be a perfect yogi. I mean, like you, I'm a humble man and cannot venture judgments of value. Both the renouncer and the lover of life, after all, are concerned with the search for happiness. The yogi wants it permanently. The lover of life, the lol, is satisfied with the intermittent. Often the lol strives harder than the yogi, who is constantly seeking and, and I don't know, perfecting themselves in some spiritual discipline. Life answers, well, what is your happiness worth when you have to strive and labor for it? True happiness is surely something spontaneous and effortless. Maybe we should just call that happiness from now on. Whatever happens that is spontaneous and effortless, rather than the seeking and acquiring. You say, well, fine, but all beings seek happiness. The means only differ. Some seek it within, and are therefore called yogis, and some seek it without, and are condemned as lols, as lovers of life. Yet they need each other. Life answers, hmm. Pleasure and pain alternate. Happiness, you might say, in the way that we're using it here, is unshakable. What you can seek and find is not always the real thing. Find what you have never lost and what you cannot find. Find it now. That is the path. <laughs>